there is a great misconception of what honor and dishonor is. And that misconception screws with a lot of people. And it screws up a lot of people's lives when they are approached with claims that are adverse towards their interest and their lifestyle. Whether it be monetary interests, whether it be spiritual interests, whether it be just basic foundational liberties, life pursuit of happiness, or just being left alone. People get stuck in a cycle of their misunderstanding of what honor or dishonor is. They think things like affirmative defense and enforcement of the law is dishonor. You will hear things where people tell you, oh, don't go in there arguing. That is very true. Then right after that, they will tell you to start asking questions. Are you not savvy to the fact that that's the same thing as arguing? But instead, what you ought to do is deny the allegations. There's a mask maxim that says he who denies the allegation has less a burden of proof. That's what you must do. If someone is bringing a claim against you and you're the one who is fending it off, they call that position a defendant, then the heavier burden of proof is on whoever is stating that claim against you. The only thing you're liable to do is to deny it. Once you deny it, the burden is off of you. They call it affirmative defense. Your first step is to deny it. If you don't deny it, then there's a presumption that you've accepted it. Then you can do all those other things like interrogatories. But even before doing interrogatories, what you ought to do is challenge the subject matter and personal jurisdiction, the constitutionality of the case. Because if no jurisdiction exists, no claims can be made against you. You're not arguing. In fact, what you're saying is none of this shit can go on. And it's that simple. And if you fail to challenge subject matter of personal jurisdiction, and you're asking the question about all caps or who the injured party is, you waived all those substantive rights. Yeah, you can always challenge jurisdiction at any time, but they're not going to take that shit serious and they're going to slip past it through a lot of loopholes which exist just for the purpose of people straddling coming in late straggling behind so don't get lost in the sauce someone telling you to go in and you know do some other stuff and not challenge jurisdiction don't let them lead you astray just deny the allegations challenge subject matter jurisdictions simple as that and lay down the law bring in the the certified copy of the laws involved it's really that simple send letter to the judges chambers and the logic behind this for you to really wash your mind of that preconditioning of what you think is right based on what someone else have told you without your first-hand knowledge the way you wash it off is just look at the rules of evidence it explains it to you it tells you the first we'll start with the maxim regarding denial an affirmative defense and the importance of bringing that up first before asking questions. If you go straight to asking questions, they got you. If you ever look, watch the news where some allegations of some religious member or some big time celebrity does something and even though we know news are not facts and they don't claim for it to be facts, there's a previous topic about that. And they say everything, they show everything just to get the people's interest and in entertainment to make more money. And then right at the end, they say, oh, but she has denied all the charges and all allegations have been dropped. And then they end that section and go into the weather or sports right after that. But all those other first 
stimulation and buildup is what stays in the mind of those observers who are watching those news. The last part where they briefly, within one or two seconds, they're going to say that the allegations has been denied. They don't pay attention to that last part. They introduce a huge list of problems and give you the solution because often the solution is very simple and straightforward. Ask questions when subject matter and personal jurisdiction has first been challenged because you are the one that brings in the true law into that situation. When necessary, which is after those two things have been done, then begin your interrogatory. And here it is. The presumption is always in favor of the one who denies. A presumption will stand good until the contrary is proven. The contrary is your denial. And the moment that we all know silence is acquiescence, but let's move past that. Let's move past the concept of silence is acquiescence. Let's go to the point where denials are at. It goes, a presumption is always in favor of the one who denies. Because a presumption will stand good until the contrary is proven. So you deny it. And then it is in the nature of things. The nature of things. That he who denies a fact is not bound to prove it. Because the one that makes the allegation of that fact is the one with the burden of proof. What they do when they say you've done that or the other is they're shifting burden of proof on you. That's that feeling you get deep inside in your core. That's that, oh shit. That's that, oh, something is not right feeling. All you have to do is deny it. And then that puts the burden of proof in its proper place because it is in the nature of things that he who denies a fact is simply not bound to prove it because you're not the one who created it. It's not your responsibility to prove it. Your responsibility is to deny it though. Whoever is stating the claim must prove it. So when any allegations, no matter how simple or severe it is, traffic, child abduction, whatever it is, theft, whatever it is, always deny the allegation. Always. Then take it from there. That should always be the first exhibit and material fact that you put into any case. The second exhibit should be your state constitution or the heck the first exhibit should be the constitution and then everything else that follow based on that in that affirmative defense it's within the civil procedure for the sake of uniformity the federal version it's in rule 8 remember every time they talk about 12b6 12b6 and rule 8 always go hand in hand because 12b6 is about the failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted and it tells you how to state a claim for relief that's not what we're talking about here, but Rule 8 has a lot to do with how you come in it and it teaches you a lot. And in this case, affirmative defense, it tells you in general, in responding to a pleading, which is basically any paper that's put into the, their venue, a party must affirmatively state, meaning it has to be an affirmation. It's how it's admitted as truth. You're creating your truth by denying it. A party must affirmatively state any avoidance or affirmative defense and they're telling you this is they're bringing you as a defendant right they are giving you the ins and out the rule book the abc steps of how you avert all this trash that they throw at you including of course modification of contract or you know due process all that but what we're looking for is estoppel a denial is an estoppel a subject matter and personal jurisdiction 
that constitutional challenge is an estoppel. Sit right there. Very simple. And then rule 11 goes on to even tell you how to do denials specifically. Very, very specific. Signing pleadings, motion, and order papers. Rule 11 has a lot of things, maybe about 12 different things that can be done in it. Part of it is how you really get the court to sanction uh, a volunteer called attorneys for vexatious litigation or simulation of legal process where you play the devil's advocate and you be the devil amongst them. But that's another thing. Well, Rule 11 tells you how to do denial. Representations to the court by presenting to the court a pleading, writing motions, or other papers. This other paper will be your affirmative defense that we just spoke about in Rule Eight. Whether by filing, signing, submitting, blah, 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 attorney, or the represented party certifies to the best of the person's knowledge and information and belief. Affirmation. They're telling you it's a furtherance of that. They're all related. They're all linked. A puzzle piece formed after an inquiry reasonable under the circumstance. What we're looking for is denials of factual contentions are warranted on the evidence, or if specifically so identified, are reasonably based on belief or lack of information. That lack of information is a lack of subject matter and personal jurisdiction, in some case, venue or territory jurisdiction. So since it's all written in legalese and it's written as, it's really like math, they use addition, subtraction, and division when they use words like or, and, and then they put these dashes and then they put in subcategories. So we will use it and read it in a, almost like a mathematical equation. And this is how it reads. By presenting to the court other documents, an unrepresented party certifies, certifies to the best of his knowledge, information, and belief, affirmation, that the denial of factual contentions are warranted on the evidence, or specifically so identified, aka the Constitution, because that is the standing and capacity that you have and you're bringing to state a claim, are reasonably due process based on belief or lack of information, lack of information, lack of subject matter jurisdiction. Right there. Just that simple. So just get a very simple one page paper gonna say comes now, whatever it is you want to do, however you want to come through a trust, through a DDA, through whatever you know how to do. I'm not gonna tell you that you make that decision. Comes now, blah, 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 real party and interest. Doing business as blah, 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 for blah, blah, blah. States the following in good faith. Allegations there an indictment, file number, blah, blah, blah. Complaint, blah, blah, blah. The sun-dried papers are hereby denied in whole. See attachment, blah, blah, blah. And then you take a certified copy of that complaint and that indictment. And then you just deny it on its face. And once that is done, you attach that as material fact. And then at the bottom of that affidavit that you're attaching to that material fact, 
which is the denied complaint and the indictment and all the other trash that they put in there you put it at the bottom it is hereby certified or I declare to the best of my knowledge and belief whatever it is however you want to declare it based on I think 20 it's 28 USC 1746 a sworn declaration I declare to the best of my knowledge and belief that everything herein that the following denials and affirmative defense herein are true and correct based on my knowledge and belief and for the intent and purpose of challenging subject matter and personal jurisdiction see material fact blah 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 and material fact so and so would be the constitutional challenge to subject matter and personal jurisdiction on whatever public act or general act that they're bringing against you that's it simple as that and that is an estoppel we hear them say the court cannot proceed unless the personal subject matter jurisdiction has been proven on the record that's an estoppel right there that's it right there and that gives you the open space to gather everything you need to gather besides the these things what you have to do is that same day or a day after whatever engagement occurred that might cause them to sue you get gather all the information gather the police report the complaint the video the audio the dispatch or transcript all that the oath of office of the employee the oath of office of the chief of police the oath of office of the ceo the mayor or whatever the county city village borough is get all that and the moment you see that case open and whatever magistrate or acting judge is assigned to that get their oath too except that presumably you ought to have had a certified copy of your state or federal constitution in hand anyway add that to the record specifically the beginning provisions where the state's preamble and then the bill of rights that into the record simple as that and based on that you move to dismiss so a lot of people talk about we don't put motions in the case we don't put motion in the case the word motion lets you know that it's a form of activity motion is just to move to move to do something or else your situation would just be stagnant your own cause of action will not move anywhere that is how you move them to do things even if you put other things in that you don't call it a motion they deem it as motion if they want to act upon it they will classify it as motion on the record because that's a parliamentary rules of procedure you're moving them to do something based on one thing or another but if you're not coming right then they're not bound to move so if you put in a motion yes they will deny it and guess what they can deny it all they want you can put in more than one motions with the same version because there might have been an error as to why they're denying it or maybe you didn't do all these other preliminary things and of course they're going to deny it but if you come in right they're not going to it's just that simple because they're bound by it and every every pleading ought to be affirmed onto as we've just read in other words everything that you put in even if you put in a motion to dismiss you must have it notarized have it witnessed that is what makes it an affidavit so people say you don't put motions and you put affidavits in what makes an affidavit is the fact that you've had somebody attest to it 
So then get someone to attest to your motion. That motion becomes an affidavit in itself. So they're, now they're bound to look at it. And then at the end of it, let them know based on the amount of days of pleading for the federal level, the average on a general circumstance without a special circumstance is 21 days for them to respond. Put it at the bottom. Stipulate that condition. Now they're bound by it since it's attested to, which makes it an affidavit. And then there's a time limit to it, which creates a contract or else it must be dismissed. And the constitutional challenge of the subject matter jurisdiction issue it's in your state also, but for, for sake of uniformity, it's in Rule 5.1. They have 60 days to respond, not 60 regular days, but 60 calendar days, business days. No Saturday, no Sunday, and no holidays. They have 60 days to respond to it. Read 5.1. So many people has thought about this, have, have explained 5.1 that I don't even think it's necessary to do it again, but it's self-explanatory. There's 60 days you send it to the attorney general of the state. If you're in a state court, attorney general of the federal, the federal court, you send it to the clerk, you send it to the judge's chamber, you send it to the other party. They have 60 days, 60 business days to certify the constitutionality. The attorney general does not put a certificate saying this case has been certified as being, or the statute has been certified as being constitutional, blah, blah, blah. After that 60 days, then the case must be dismissed. It's that simple. Best of luck.